From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello and welcome. And I'm having something interesting happening I've never had happen before, which is the... Uh, Radio is coming through on two places, even though it says muted. So my apologies. We here at the Wealth DNA Radio Show are honored you're joining us today. Now, we're especially humbled to have our listeners in the, in the U.S. and Canada, other parts of the world, who tried to join us an hour ago. You see, in Arizona, we don't change our clocks, so no one around here talks about it, and I completely forgot to check the calendar of time changes around the world prior to our last show. I usually try to forewarn you, so please accept my apologies. This past weekend, each of you living in 48 of the states in the U.S. and in Canada moved your clocks forward by one hour, making our show one hour later for you. So I have to broaden my mea culpa even further. In all my communications, excuse me, communications with our guest today, who's in Maryland, I completely forgot the show will be at noon for him rather than at 11 a.m. as we put in our materials. I'm certainly glad he could adjust his schedule in the last minute. Despite our best attempts, this error will happen again. You see, whether it's this fall or in 2016 or some future year, unless the U.S. and Canada harmonize with the European schedule or maybe change to some standard date, Maybe they should pick Groundhog Day, unless, of course, Groundhog Phil sees his shadow, as he did this year. Totally confusing. To make up for it, we'll make the show even better than our usual high-quality programming. Now, I guess my faux pas, faux pas, faux pas, boy, I have a little trouble with the tongue this morning. We'll have to get our guest on here sooner, and I'll do less talking. But my faux pas can serve as an early reminder for each of you living in Europe. You'll be going through a similar time change at the end of the month. And I'll admit the European time change is at least consistent from year to year since they choose the last Sunday of the month after the start of the spring and fall season. I'm not sure how the U.S. and Canada pick the random date each year. Now, on the Wealth DNA Radio Show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas building your wealth. Today we'll focus on the recent health care legislation in the U.S., which took effect in the end of 2013. It's officially known as the Affordable Care Act, more commonly known as Obamacare, or occasionally the Non-Affordable Care Act. Now, you may be wondering whether health care legislation has anything to do with wealth accumulation, but you don't have to do much research or analysis to see that health care costs continue to rise despite tepid overall inflation and in most of the world. Now, keep in mind those tepid inflation figures are published by the government, so take it with an aspirin or two. There's also no country in the world which has figured out the right formula providing cost-effective, high-quality health care. In most countries, if you talk to the citizens, they'll either say health care is very expensive or their health care is lousy. Some cynics may even say it's high cost and lousy. So it requires each of us to have a financial cushion to pay for health care privately rather than relying on what's generally available. If that still doesn't convince you this topic's directly related to your wealth accumulation, let me add that Obamacare can affect an American's income tax bill. 
And certainly, taxes are a major expense we need to factor into our bottom line. Heck, we've even dedicated shows to tax-related topics in the past, and certainly will again in the future. Now, I'll add one more important connection, and that's your longevity. Along with the two guarantees in life we talked about in the past, and no, reminder, taxes isn't one of those guarantees, we all know we'll either outlive our money or our money will outlive us. You see, I believe the happiest people are those who have sufficient financial resources to live comfortably for a long time. I plan to be and hope you're around for my 100th birthday bash. Maybe I'll even be a guest on the Wealth DNA radio show to celebrate. Now, certainly the cost and quality of health care will affect both your longevity and your portfolio. Now, regular listeners know that we start each show by sharing a quote to set the tone for the show's topic. Here's one of my favorites that ties in what I just said about longevity and our topic, of course. The nearest thing to eternal life we will ever see on this earth is a government program. Let me repeat that. The nearest thing to eternal life we will ever see on this earth is a government program. And that quote, of course, is from Ronald Reagan, the 40th President of the United States. And boy, the U.S. definitely needs someone like him in the White House soon. Today is Monday, March 9, 2015. It is 9.05 a.m. in Arizona and 12.05 a.m. No, sorry, make that p.m. See, I'm still in this time change mode on the U.S. East Coast where our guest is. It's the only day I ever like it, so we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. If you don't receive a reminder of the show, you should connect with us on Twitter or Facebook, where we post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald, put together as a single word. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix-Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show like the prior ones on Obamacare or taxes or any other good shows we've had, you can find them in the archives. Just go to wealthdna.us, where we list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. Now, we welcome your comments and questions during the show. I recommend using the chat window, and you'll find that below the radio player on the uh, Internet. Or you can call in our producer, share your questions or comments with us. That call-in number is 917-388-4162, and it's also shown at the top of the Internet screen. Now, since our last show, the U.S. US equity markets hit two more records highs and then drifted downward. Today, they're off to a positive start, and Asia was mixed a bit of a surprise. Uh, China was down and reversed. Europe, which is just about to close, is mostly down. I think Germany was the only one up. And Brazil is down sharply. Our guest today to discuss Obamacare, DOA, is someone who knows a lot about health care in the U.S. and other parts of the world. He's been part of the U.S. healthcare profession for three decades and has been recently writing a lot about it. During these three decades, our guest, Dr. Mark Davis, practiced internal medicine, specializing in geriatrics and nutrition. He lives in and works in Maryland, but you may still notice a slight accent from his native Brooklyn, New York. Dr. Davis has been married for 40 years, over 40 years, I understand. We'll find out if it's been to the same woman. 
has three kids. He's president of Davis Writing Services. He's an author with nearly 400 articles in print. Talk about prolific. He's published three books, most notably a book which is the inspiration for this show. The title is Obamacare, Dead on Arrival, A Prescription for Disaster. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Dr. Mark Davis. Welcome, Dr. Davis, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Ron. I really appreciate being on. Hey, I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party? Uh, Mark Davis, that's it, Mark. I like people calling me by my first name. Very simple, very simple name. Nothing complex. All right, but you um, you, know, you have to answer the one question I kind of posed in my intro. Yeah. Yeah. 40 years, and I guess 41 years, with yeah, the same woman? Yeah, same woman, yeah. She's a few feet from me right now. Not listening. You're not she's, pre- she's examining patients right now. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So she's obviously in the medical profession as well. So you guys know a little bit about it. Now, you've become quite a prolific writer, and the pace of your new articles and books seems to be increasing since yeah. you, let me call it semi-retired. Is that yeah. correct? That's correct. Yeah, I don't practice medicine right now. But I've been asked to come back by a number of people. I may do that yet. I don't know. Thinking hmm. about it. But us, us old codgers got to go back and be tested out like anybody else. It's like an audition. Yeah, to go and uh, be checked out. So maybe, maybe I'll go back. Don't know. All right, let's let's talk briefly about your earlier books. I didn't mention them in the intro, other than the number, starting with the Millennium Diet. Now, yeah. nutrition was obviously one of your specialties. I mentioned yeah. was this book motivated by what you saw patients doing wrong, or was it information you have access to that the average we- reader wouldn't? No, we had very generous patients who discussed their uh, difficulties losing weight, diet specifically. Um, they, they tried and they, they failed or they succeeded. And what we took the best parts of the diets that they, they used and did succeed, we coalesced them into one format, the Millennium Diet, and they did very well with it. It's a high-protein, moderate-carb, low-fat diet between 12 and 1,400 calories, and it works very well. Um, and it's, it's been proving itself over and over and over again. There may be an update to the book, but the book right now is current uh, on information. Uh, thousands of patients had input into the diet over many years, and uh, we, we did well with it in terms of weight loss. We were seeing four or five pounds the first week, even more sometimes, up to 30 pounds in a five-week period. Uh, on the on the other end of the diet, and that's very difficult. The average patient probably lost 15 to 17 pounds in those uh, uh, five weeks. So it, the diet itself was strong. Uh, we do know now that diet has uh, an element to longevity, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, high protein, uh, low carb, low calorie diets keep lab animals alive almost double sometimes their lifespan, especially in the lower forms of life. Uh, from the worm out to the uh, rabbit, uh, rats, things like the lab rats. So we cannot test that in human beings because we live so long, or we hopefully we live so long. So, But the basic premise is solid that what we take in can affect our longevity. And the tests that are, are coming about now we, as we improve our uh, nutritional uh, research show that. So. Uh, here we are. We're going to see more centenarians, people living over 100 years of age. Mm-hmm. The oldest person in the world right now, as you may know, is 117 years old. Mm-hmm. He was in Japan, uh, and he's still alert. He's very alert. So you, you, you seeing we don't know exactly how many centenarians are alive. I see 90,000, uh, uh, 100,000 number, but it's, it's somewhere in that range. So uh, 
I think the next generation will generally live to be at least 90, 95, or 100. We're going in that direction right now. Now we're about 80 years of age. So people have a lot to look forward to. It's not going to only be with medication. It's going to be with their diet. So I would watch your diet very closely because it does cause disease. It does cause uh, injury to the nervous system, the heart, that kind of thing. And the Millennium Diet is the way to go if you want to look for a diet that will help you. The book you can probably get for a buck or two used on Amazon or download the download I think it's two dollars or something so um, pretty much it's available there if you want it okay I'm I can endorse the the principle no doubt I've cut my carb intake uh, yeah. my wife and I both have probably over yeah. the last two years or so yeah. about in half I won't say we cut them out completely but yeah. but dramatic cut and uh, I actually struggle on weight on the opposite side which is I'll well, I'll, uh, I'll be losing weight uh, just because of that, and I'll actually uh, uh, splurge and have a little ice cream or something like that. Well, let me make one point, though, sure. uh, to interject. The government came out recently loosening the requirements for intake of cholesterol. Those are completely nonsensical, and people should be very wary of a, of a government that tells you you could eat a lot more cholesterol. Uh, just for a point, the body makes about 85% of the cholesterol it needs. Uh, we don't need to eat a lot of cholesterol. It accumulates in the body because the enzymes um, do not break it down. So it has to go somewhere. It goes into the blood vessels, the heart, and into other tissues, and it causes disease. And I, I've been in on those surgeries, the heart surgeries, and I've seen the, the uh, cholesterol plugs, if you will, around the heart and the heart vessels, and they're not pretty, and you should watch your cholesterol and be very careful how much you take in. Uh, so don't go out and start eating red meat and all kinds of cakes and cookies and stuff. It's not going to do you any good. It will cause other ramifications like diabetes, which is almost at the 30 million mark now in this country of 317 million people. So I, I would tell the, the listeners, be very, very careful. And if you doubt these words, I would definitely look up and read as much as you can on cholesterol because it it's something that uh, we should be very familiar with. Okay. All right. Now, that's one area I was watching yeah. the cholesterol levels. Yeah. Kind of right. It's very important. Let's talk about your book, uh, Demons of Democracy. Uh, that's obviously a major digression from your career in internal yeah. medicine. What was the primary motivation for that book? I was motivated, and I saw how lawyers are deconstructing the country on many levels. We could see it in the government. Uh, we, as you mentioned, we wish we Ronald, we had a Ronald Reagan in the White House. Mm-hmm. We don't. We have a lawyer who's supposed to be a constitutional lawyer, and I do a lot of political commentary on the radio. And I can tell you this, he's not taking the country in the right direction. It has nothing to do with his race. Every time we mention it, they, they come back right, about right, it. Right. It has to do with his ineptitudes and inabilities to manage the government. He's taking down, and, and the book will reflect on this, he's taking down the military and, and, and the Justice Department's become uh, this racial divide they keep pushing from there. So the lawyers in general... Uh, do not have the innate ability to manage the government and government function. And we, Obamacare, as we get into it, you'll see it was written end to end by lawyers. But Demons of Democracy describes in detail how lawyers have basically destroyed institutions, industries, um, and, and traditions around the country. And, and I give lots of examples how judges have misjudged people and, and, and so forth. You know, uh, from marijuana to, to murder. Uh, it's all discussed in the book. And hmm. I, okay. I agree. I, this thing with euthanasia right now, uh, that that's a big flux throughout the country. That's the whole show itself. But basically, uh, I touch upon it as well. So people need to understand that the lawyers are not what they seem. And, and probably 90% of the lawyers are doing their job, 
and the way they should, but there is a sub-segment of the legal profession, which the book reflects, are not doing their job. They get into positions where they garner great wealth uh, and not to the benefit of the nation or the people that they're involved with, for sure. Okay. Now, before we dig into some of the specifics, especially, of course, on Obamacare, would you share with our listeners how they contact you or learn more about Dr. Mark Davis and some of your uh, writing? What are the best web contacts? I am Mark Davis. I am extremely humbled to be on radio programs like this, for which I do listen. And i like people to know I'm at PlatoMD. They want to contact me. P-L-A-T-O-M-D at gmail.com. We're up on uh, Twitter, which is... Uh, Twitter.com, America Sage. I'm pretty recent to uh, Twitter up there. We have a huge group up on LinkedIn just under Mark Davis. I uh, have over 12,000 people up there, many commentators, authors, radio people. And uh, recently, uh, I think Sugar Ray Leonard joined us on there. So uh, we're, we're up on there. We, we have a commentary between ourselves in terms of what's going on in the world. For sure. So I'm easy to get. So PlatoMD at gmail.com. If you have a book or something that you want reviewed or paperwork you want reviewed, and just go to our website, www.daviswritingservices.com, daviswritingservices.com. It'll come right up, and uh, we proof books, We mostly on the science areas and uh, magazine cool. articles and things like that. We We were fortunate. We were privileged to review two articles prior to their publication for a Nobel Prize win, and a Nobel, uh, someone who was elected to the Nobel, uh, not a laureate, but he was elected or uh, mm-hmm. proposed nominated. to be nominated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was nominated. So uh, it's pretty neat to, to do these kind of things, and we're humbled by it, like, as we are humbled by being on these programs. Okay. Let's go back a few years before Obamacare uh, got launched, if you will, I guess it was 2008. It's officially called the ACA, or Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Uh, You were directly involved in in, in health care and providing health care. What were some of the problems you saw prior in the prior health care system that basically was funded by individuals and private uh, private insurance? Well, let's examine what was going on around the country. 2008, 2007, two years prior to Obamacare, approximately 85% of the people had access to health care some way, somehow, uh, through personal jobs, uh, work, uh, state funds. So they claim they, as the government in each state, and or the federal government claim there were 15 to 45 million people not covered. Uh, we still don't know. We still don't know. We know in 2006... Our Romney Care was passed in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. At that time, for that small program, 92% of the state of Massachusetts was covered. By the end of 2010, they had increased it by 4%. So the question most people would ask, why have a program that controls 92% when you could have helped directly those 4 8 or 10%, whatever the number mm-hmm. would have come out at the end of the day? Uh, it doesn't make any sense. That is a similar uh uh, element in, in Obamacare, if 85% of the people in the country were covered, why not work with the 15% or not? So the the concept of Obamacare is that they wanted to include the entire country because this is more than just about health care. This is about redistribution of wealth, which comes right to your program. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And it controls... Uh, there were so many facets in Obamacare, the Patient Protection and Affordability Care Act. It's really not one law. It's Think of, it, think of it as multiple laws on the, the canopy of one. Uh, it's work programs. 
It's uh, legal programs. The lawyers are making out like bandits on this kind of thing. All the promises that were in, uh, engendered into the program when it passed March 22, 2010, have not come to be fulfilled. We hear numbers up to 20 million people have joined Obamacare, just as an overview. Many of those people were transferred from medical assistance and other state mm-hmm. programs Correct. on there. So it, it, it's not it's not what people think it is. Access has been denied to a lot of people, as we'll get into in this, and affordability is gone uh, the other way. It's not more affordable. It is less affordable. And there might be a micro-instance here and there where people's insurance went down. But overall, for the 90-plus percent of people under Obamacare, their insurance has went up. And I had that same uh, in this office here. It's like we, we can discuss that further. In 2010, March 22nd, was signed into law. And in 2012, June 28th, uh, the Supreme Court allowed it to stay uh, in force because uh, – the taxation of properties of uh, John Roberts allowed it specifically uh, to stay in force because it's, if the government could tax, they had the taxing authority to allow it in, not for any other reason at all. Now it's before the Supreme Court again, which may get knocked down, which we'll discuss in a little while. So, uh, there, Basically, we had a very good health system pre-Obamacare. Now the mix is not as good as it would like, and people are being denied access to health care as of this time. Uh, one more point. We had a mm-hmm. recent case here in Maryland where a, a gentleman, 75, was denied chemotherapy for his leukemia simply because Medicare refused to pay for it. They siphoned, they as the government has siphoned money away from Medicare to Obamacare, and the money's just not there. So there are no death panels per se as the politicians brought up pre-Obamacare, but there are cost panels, and, and again, we could we could discuss that as well. So I think it's cost Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, right. I got a lot of specifics still to cover yeah. on that, but yeah. let me remind our listeners: you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. If you missed some of the prior shows, like the ones uh, on the uh, Wealth DNA framework, uh, what this all means, or on Obamacare taxes, any number of great shows we've had. You can find them on our archives, wealthdna.us. You can also get an email reminder of the shows if you send an email to me, ron at wealthdna.us. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Or, of course, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook, The Ronald, all one word. During the radio show, we welcome you to uh, ask questions. There's a chat window under the radio player. And also, you could call in 917 388 Our topic today is Obamacare, DOA, which we're discussing with Dr. Mark Davis, a doctor of internal medicine for 30 years, president of Davis Writing Service, and an author. He wrote the book, Obamacare, Dead on Arrival, a prescription for disaster, which we're talking about today. Okay, Dr. Davis, let me me ask a couple specific questions around, again, pre-Obamacare. One of the things I did hear from people that had major health uh, insurance issues, or health issues, excuse me, or cancer survivors specifically, they couldn't get insurance at any cost. And uh, again, I've heard this. It didn't affect me personally. I compared that to the kind of the auto insurance where you have this high risk pool, uh, but that seemed to be missing in healthcare. Am I wrong? Uh, no, not, not in all cases. No, there are people out there that uh, who came down with cancer who got ex- who had insurance and were excluded afterwards because the companies were paying out so much. So we, we do know that did exist uh, in in a sense, but we also knew that uh, 
people could get insurance from high-risk pools, as you mentioned as well. So mm -hmm. uh, that should have been addressed by the government a long time ago because the uh, insurance has dried up. It's not only dried up for cancer uh, patients. It's dried up for children who have multiple diseases like cystic fibrosis. So right. it's on both ends of the, of the age groups. And I would think that that would have been a part where we could address through legislation or within states itself. But many times people would go over to a state program and they would be taken care of. Here in Maryland, for sure, people would have been covered. So somehow, somewhere, there was insurance out there, and you just had to dig it out. Obamacare promised that people would be covered for all kinds of things, but at the end of the day, that access did not come about. And, we, and then people calling about specifically that they had good or bad with Obamacare, we can discuss that. But nevertheless, that what we've seen here as physicians we're not seeing the access of people promised. There are approximately 225,000 doctors, according to the articles that I've seen, not mm -hmm. taking Obamacare, which is about one right. quarter of all the physicians in the, in the country. Now, remember, we have a pool of approximately 900,000 doctors, give or take, uh, in this country. About 100,000 of them do things other than practice directly with uh, patient care, their administrative, their insurance, their, uh, uh, they run companies, whatever. So maybe 800,000, so approximately a quarter of the, of the doctors are not taking Why are they not taking it? Reimbursement is 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar, even less than medical assistance. So uh, that's the biggest thing, and it costs 50, 60% of the overhead of a doctor to maintain the practices that they have. So uh, that, that's one big deal about uh, Obamacare that we've seen here. Uh, I would say to you, it's a lose-lose situation for most people. Uh, so the the enemy of the health care system now is Obamacare. It needs to be rectified. And maybe the Supreme Court this time will do the right thing. I don't know. Okay. And I guess I'll, I'll repeat a point you made earlier in case somebody missed it, which I think addressed this point very well as, you're, as, as I'm listening, which is the fact that that would have been addressing the 15% that didn't have access and, and finding Correct. out uh, yeah. why or if it's necessary. Yeah. Uh, that would have been better than trying to address the existing 85 plus some of the uh, some of the 15. Okay, good good point. Uh, yeah. Another complaint and perception uh, that uh, drive the cost of health care to be so exorbitant is that doctors and hospitals charge too much. And again, we're talking, you know, let's talk mid-2000s uh, here, 2005, 2006, before Obamacare. Uh, you're an insider. Uh, share your perception as an insider to those allegations that doctors and hospitals charge well, too much. What does it mean by charging too much? What, what, what goes into the charge? A doctor now has to uh, practice defensive medicine. He has to carry malpractice insurance. It's not a, when I came into practice, it was five hundred, six hundred dollars back 30 years ago. Now, insurance can run $100,000, $200,000 for one doctor, especially in the high-end specialties like neurosurgery, cardiac surgery, obstetrics, as, as we know. So that's, that's just one small facet. Nurses have to be paid. Now, there are 2.8 million nurses out there. They make uh, a living. Mm -hmm. They have to maintain the hospitals. Uh, it, it, it's very expensive have one person in an intensive care unit, even for five days, you could be looking at a twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollar bill or more. So that that's what it is. Multiple people get people healthy. This is a group effort. It's not on an individual basis. Uh, here in the, in the small offices that we have, four, five, six people, they require insurance. They require uh, if they're making twenty dollars an hour, 
there's another five to ten dollars that they have to pay in terms of Medicare sure. matching costs, social security. So it's an accumulative effect. I don't believe uh, we can get it down much cheaper than what is happening right now. And if they say they do, then they're just cutting they're just cutting out the the cost by saying we're not going to raise the prices because we don't want to raise them. Not that they don't need to be raised. This I I don't want to lose the audience in uh, under Romney Care specifically. The insurance companies came back and requested price increases uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. They just couldn't pay their bills. So Romney Care people came back, which is a health exchange in uh, Massachusetts. You can't raise it. So then the health exchange and the state could say, hey, look, we kept the cost down. But in reality, the insurance companies had no choice but to go to lesser type policies for people and, and charge more for those. So it, it has a reverberating effect when you try to keep the prices low. The market should reach the level it should reach, and, and this is a free market economy, I believe still, uh, but uh, it doesn't seem to be with health care anymore. The controls are too much, and uh, the, the downside is the doctors are not taking the insurance policies. What could happen uh, under Obamacare, the states can come back, especially the left-wing states, and come back and say, look, it's a, uh, if you want to be licensed here, you have to take Obamacare. That could happen. Then you'll see an exodus of doctors leaving states. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it happened in uh, Massachusetts. The doctors that were, doctors around the state closed their practices in many cases because there were just too many patients coming in. They were being overwhelmed. Of course, uh, fewer doctors were taking those insurances. So okay. that, we'll that's put up basically, a welcome sign in Arizona yeah. asking those doctors to join us here, so that would be great. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me just point out to you sure. that many of the medical boards around the country, uh, which is in Obamacare, have become politicized. Doctors are being beaten off for such irrelevancies. It's just, you didn't have enough credits or uh, you didn't, you didn't uh, document the way the lawyers want you to document Doctors are being dragged into court over and over again. We're, we're practicing legal medicine. We're not practicing medicine. I have 30 years in. Uh, I think I know what I'm doing by now, and I, and I never go over my head. Most physicians don't. And then people, if that happens, doctor needs to be checked by the authorities, of course. But nevertheless, to have a lawyer looking over your shoulder on every instance is ridiculous. This thing about putting medical information online uh, is bogus. They want medical information, which is covered in Obamacare. Uh, that information will be used against you down the road, and maybe in terms of insurance. We already have seen prescriptions being intercepted in New York and California, uh, and they find that someone's on an anxiety drug, as an example, and they lose their gun permit. Ten minutes later, this is what's happening out there. It's about government control. It's not about protecting the patient at all, and and that's what we see. And Obamacare uh, came into force to do that. It came in as control uh, all health care, and to support Obamacare, they came up with a number of studies. As an example, older people don't need hip replacements as much anymore. Uh, prostate-specific antigen, which checks for prostate cancers, things like that. They're telling us to use it less and less. Mammograms should be used later and later in, in life. So they're trying to find ways of cutting costs on people, especially people on the uh, aged end. And I'm one of those people getting up there, and I see this pretty regularly. 
Okay. Now, I lived in Europe for a number of years, and I saw that the uh, cost of, uh, of insurance was much lower there, and yeah. quality care was was good. Yeah. Uh, now, when I asked, when I moved back here, I asked a lot of people, what could be done to reduce the cost of health care in the U.S.? One of the best recommendations I heard was from one of our, my board members who simply replied, tort reform. Could you right. explain to listeners how tort reform could help, uh, if it yeah. could, and what it is, and well, uh, is it would that be a major step in the right direction? Yes, very much so. We, we have had some tort reform on the state and federal levels, but we need to have a lot more. A person goes in and accuses a doctor of or whatever, uh, not finding a pimple, missing a, a melanoma that was in a crease somewhere on the body, something. They file a lawsuit. They want a couple million dollars, and usually the court will come back and say, okay, here's a couple hundred thousand dollars. The, the thing is, there needs to be limits on output of uh, of these cases, on malpractice cases. Here in Maryland, I think it's a half a million dollars uh, around the country. It goes into the millions. So we need tort reform. It's like winning the lotto or the, or the mega millions or the Powerball, uh, these kind of cases. We had a couple of cases here that the, the birth did not go right at Hopkins, at John Hopkins, as everybody knows Hopkins, uh, $30 million case. Another one at South Baltimore Hospital was up in the $20 million range. I don't know if it's being beaten down in the appeals courts or not. So a tort reform will go a long way. But not only that, the lawyers need to be restrained from filing medical malpractice cases that are phonies. And there's so many of them across the country, it, it boggles the mind. We had a doctor here on another subject pulled in, an anesthesiologist, had to spend up to $300,000 to defend the way he gave anesthesia, and he won. But the lawyers brought in a uh, ring, I would say, that we used to call them ringers, a doctor from another state. So well, we do, over here we do it this way, and you didn't do it this way, so therefore you're, you're, you don't have this, the standard of care. Standards of care are a bunch of baloney. Because there are many ways to to get to the uh, cure in people. So wh- what happens? Allow me to expand it. Is an aura where a doctor will not go to the nth degree now to help the patient. Because if you go to the nth degree, you have to go beyond the certain standard of care that they've had, and therefore you you don't get the the highest quality care possible. Because doctors are afraid they'll be sued, they'll lose their medical license, and they'll be ostracized in the public and in the physician arena as well. So uh, there's a lot of ramifications to what the lawyers have done to us. So tort reform would go a long way, but even more than that, would reduce the number of uh, regulatory structures around the country that inhibit doctors from doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. Sounds like demons of democracy was not such a digression for your profession after. No, not at all. Because I sat in the courts and listened to these malpractice cases, and I was it was abhorrent of what I heard and how the lawyers came about calling doctors profoundly stupid or idiots. These are guys with IQs of 140 and 150. Many of them, many of them uh, studied 10, 12 or more years to become what they become. And, and in one case, because their client feels they should get her uh, money for something that's as, as minor as a, a tick on their nose, it, it's unbelievable. Now, there are horrible cases. There are always going to be horrible sure. cases. We we can't control that. There's sometimes things just happen. You don't find a rectal tumor. You miss a, an embolus in, in the heart, which is a microsized. The, the things happen, and they're horrible things, and people should be compensated for those kind of things. But by and large, they're not happening. Okay. And uh, we could go through lots of cases, if you like. 
about a decade ago, Michael Porter, kind of a genius in the the area of strategy, proposed some principles to help almost every country in the world get uh, better value in health care. Is Obamacare at least a step in the right direction? No, no, it's too much control. You cannot control the health. Let me get statistics. There are approximately 5,800 registered hospitals in this country, tens of thousands of doctors' offices, uh, single doctors practicing, thousands of clinics around the country as well, uh, 2.8 million nurses, as I mentioned earlier, 900,000 physicians in the country. You cannot control this and much more from a central core in Washington, D.C. The states have to run them. The states should be doing what they're supposed to be doing on that. They should stop politicizing medicine and start allowing people to get well based on uh, subjective matters that the doctors find. I mean, mm-hmm. And a lot of medicine is subjective. It's not objective, as, sure. as people would think. And, and we're not given that chance at all anymore. We're being shadowed, if you will. Sounds a little right. paranoid, but that's exactly what Obamacare did. It introduced a level of chaos and paranoia into the system that we don't need. I think most of us picture when they're writing this Obamacare, it was a group of, uh, of uh, health care providers, doctors, and hospital uh, administrators, etc., working with the lawyers to say, here are the things that are wrong, here are the things that need to be fixed, and let's try to draft that in the law. Uh, was that really what happened? No. This this bill, if you read it, and I, it was a bill, before I read it before it became what it's called an enrolled legislative piece, which was up in the Library of Congress. I got a copy of that, and it was written end-to-end by lawyers. There's no doubt about it. The legalese in there is so thick, uh, you'd have to sit with a dictionary for, forever to understand exactly. It, it, there were references to the IRS that go back 10, 12 years in, in the uh, original legislative uh, effort uh, prior to being signed on March 23, 2010, by o- Obama. But uh, it's not what people think it is. It's an all-encompassing, controlling device that the government came up with, and a lot of it has to do with redistribution of wealth, not health care as we think of it. Okay. Now, most people remember Nancy Pelosi's comment and a reminder she was a Speaker of the House uh, of the Representatives at that time. We need to pass the law in order to know what's in it. Now, after passing and reading it, as I would interpret it, she and her fellow members of Congress decided not to have anything to do with Obamacare, but they kept their current health plan and forced the rest of us to comply. Am I being a little too cynical on that? No, you're right right on the money, if you will. Uh, first of all, Nancy Pelosi is a shame in the Congress. She should never be there. She doesn't have the wherewithal uh, to be there. She should have read what was in there because if she would have read what was in there, she wouldn't have right. passed it in the first place. And let me add, June 28, 2012, when the uh, Supreme Court came down with their uh, decision, mm-hmm. if if in the event that they had to, were forced to use Obamacare, they would have come down 9-0 to zero against it. But they're not. So that's why they came down in the fashion that they came down. It was a five to four, uh, allowing the government to keep Obamacare in force. Well, hopefully now they'll they'll change their minds. But nevertheless, the left won. The left continues to win, and uh, you're not wrong at all. It's not a cynical view. It's a view that millions of people have when they approach this thing. And the, the exchanges have been, by and large, failures. Uh, so you, you just raised an interesting point. The Supreme Court is also exempt from from Obamacare. Correct. That's correct. It's right I, in the book. I, I, right in the I got I to you know underline that one for our listeners. It's just something I hadn't yeah. thought of. Excellent point. Yeah. Nobody's ever brought that up. I guess the media yeah. doesn't want to touch it. Okay, yeah. we've got this. That's why they don't bring me on Fox because they on Fox 
the people that comment are by and large lawyers and politicians, not doctors. Right. And doctors that do this directly, and we have a brilliant assortment of doctors in every state in this country. They're not being asked to comment on it, uh, and, they, and they should. I am just one small uh, dot on the on the eye commenting on it, and people should go to the physician. The physicians know better. Not only is that, let me just point out to the people. When you go to the doctor, he has his head more in the computer because everything has to be yes. online now. As opposed, and he's not being nasty or socially isolating, or or people think they're being put off by the doctor. They are forced. The doctor is forced to write down his progress note why he's with the uh, the patient in most cases. So that's something Obamacare is pushing, and and the former HIPAA regulations too. So. Just no, I, that agree. In mind. Yeah. I, I guess I should accent from what you just said that uh, notice we have a doctor on to discuss Obamacare, uh, not not the lawyers. So uh, hopefully that's uh, that says something a little bit about our approach. But we have the healthcare portal in place, or what do you want to call it, this platform. Uh, are you seeing some evidence at all of of lowering the cost of insurance, improving access, or improving the quality of care? Any any examples of it? No, <laughs> I'm afraid not. Uh, what, what I see is, is limited care, especially in people getting it over 60 years of age. A number of uh, uh, quasi-studies have come out, which I mentioned a few earlier, uh, which would push people away from having health care, especially the, they're more circumspect about having cataract surgeries right now, less of being approved, and, and so forth. So if you're getting older, I would suggest strongly getting a Medigap or medical advantage or having a secondary policy to uh, Medicare if you can afford it because uh, otherwise you may be denied uh, medical services and your bills may be tremendous. And we we have a case here in people in their 70s who uh, were f- facing some catastrophic uh, illnesses and then there were tens of thousands of dollars in bills that they shouldn't have. So uh, you, you start seeing that. Un- My wife and I had a, and I can mention this, a Blue Cross Gold policy which was $1,000 a month for the two of us. In one year span, we had to go down to a bronze policy, which costs now $1,800 a month. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing uh, costs wow. go skyrocket, and, 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 and Cora may have an isolated instance where their costs went down. But generally, and I mean generally, the costs have gone up and in many cases have skyrocketed. Uh, going on the exchanges, the ones that do exist in the States, uh, many of the costs are a lot higher because, because one thing, Obamacare forces them to carry coverages that they may really not need. Uh, I don't need obstetric care, neither does my wife, but the policy has to cover it. So that's, that's silly. Uh, we don't need psychiatric care yet, but with this Obamacare in force, we may need it down the road. But there it is. We have to pay for that. We have to pay for birth control, which is before the, uh, before the Supreme Court right now. I think that was the Notre Dame case. Uh, so there's many, many things that we don't need that are in the policies uh, that are costing, and the, and the insurance companies have to pay for them. Originally, most of the insurance companies were for Obamacare. They were they were bought off, literally. But after that, uh, they started having problems because they had to. Uh, they were forced to do paperwork that they never had to do before. They only allowed certain levels of, of margins of profit, uh, which didn't happen before. So, And they need certain reserves to have the insurance companies uh, in business. And which they didn't have to have before either. So uh, it's been pretty difficult for a lot of the insurance companies, especially the smaller units. 
So uh, it, it's a problem across the country, for sure. You, you'll be before we continue, in case you just tuned in, you're listening to the Wealthy Air Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion on the archive, or if you missed prior shows, find them on that archive as well, wealthdna.us. Today our guest is Dr. Mark Davis, a doctor of internal medicine and author. Our topic today is Obamacare DOA. He wrote the book on it. If you just tuned in, you'll want to go back to the beginning of the show. Soon after we finish, the same link will take you, take you to, that, to that archive. So our producers make it pretty easy for you. Uh, Dr. Davis, I think your, your example is even more dramatic, but I was hoping there were people benefiting because uh, you know, my cost before Obamacare was I was spending $85 a month on a fitness club and self-insuring, and now I have to pay over 500 a month because I have to be forced. And I've got a $10,000 deductible, and so I don't really use my health insurance, but i got to have it. So I was hoping a lot of other people are benefiting. You're telling me they're not. No, no, not at all. The medical assistance people, they're still getting their money for free. The people that are coming in from the southern part of the border, they're getting free care. As as Obama has denied that, that's not true at all. We see them almost every day here. Uh, So what it is is the people that are are enabled by Obamacare are by and large people that have uh, either some pre-existing condition, which you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. that may help in many cases. But again, when they get into actually getting the care and they join the, the health exchange, they don't get the care in all cases because it's very, very expensive. Or they find ways to exclude the patient from getting that care. And then people will transfer off medical assistance or other state programs, CHIP for children, whatever, onto um, the Obamacare exchange. So you don't see uh, access and or improvement in their services because it's the same doctors out there. And now the doctors don't want to take Obamacare because they found that what they're being reimbursed because their insurance costs haven't gone down. The cost of running the office and the practice mm-hmm. haven't gone down. Their personal costs haven't gone down. So they have to make their money some way. So uh, another way they have diluted this is the making it easier for people uh, to get into medical school. There's, there's a lot of uh, sections of Obamacare people have not seen. The the uh, federal government pays uh, a good amount of money to, to medical schools, and they would withhold money if they don't have certain criteria to allow people into the schools. Uh, years ago, they mentioned that uh, the uh, American Academy of uh, Medical School Deans noted that they're not getting the best and brightest from the uh, colleges anymore, and that, that may be intensified right now. I don't know for a fact, but that that's all we've heard, and we see people graduating who may not be up to par or equal to the people or parity that people were coming out in the 80s and even the 1990s right now. So if you make it easier for somebody to become a physician and you don't require the intensity that the studies uh, uh, cause to them, uh, I would tell you this, we have a less uh, intense group of doctors out there without being denigrating. Well, but on the other hand, I mean, when you're when you're on this topic, it, you know, it seemed that if there are going to be more people insured, that young people, more young people, would be motivated to become doctors or nurses because they know the yeah. field's going to require more people. So I would have thought that this could draw more people in and therefore get a, even a better population of, of candidates. They've expanded the medical schools, but the people that they're taking in may not be this have the intellectual wherewithal that the groups back in the 1990s and prior, as I mentioned, have. So, uh, yes, there's more physicians being trained right now. Are they the best and brightest? I don't know. You have to take it school by school. But that was a reference that was really intense when I read it. Also, 
there's been a huge influx of uh, foreign physicians and many decent people mm-hmm. coming in, but sure. but we don't know their credentials for sure. That many of them are 21, 22 with an MD, and in, in this country you'd be 25 and 26 before you get an MD. They have short track training, and uh, we don't even know if their medical schools are comparable to ours, but they're given uh, licenses here with a short amount of training as they come into this country. So, uh, again, uh, it's a big uh, the information that we have is not up to par. I tried to find out for the book, Obamacare, Dead on Arrival, what mm-hmm. the foreign doctors actually get trained in. It was very difficult, and I was, it was very sketchy what I could find out. Okay. But what, you, what you're saying really is a little bit scary here. Cause you, yeah, you're very an much. And I hope people hear it. Yeah, and yeah, it goes by you're doctor, by health care. Exactly. You're an example of somebody leaving health care, and uh, as as all of these baby boomer doctors will be retiring more and more of each year, how do we fill that gap then? Uh, Well, you need to have good standards to take people into the schools. There's plenty of very smart. We need to get the regulatory structure down a little bit and stop beating on the doctors for every little thing. If there are to be standards of care, they should be codified so doctors really understand them, not to be told in a court that you didn't uh, add seven stitches where six was necessary or eight where you gave seven, that kind of thing. If there is to be standards of care, they're not written down. And it's, it's, it's very quasi the, the type of uh, attacks on physicians that are happening across the country, 10,000-plus medical malpractices plus every year. Uh, and most of them are won by the physician, but at great cost, not only financially but emotionally. And doctors see this. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, people in my family went on to do other things. Uh daughter became an occupational therapist. She had the wherewithal to go to medical school. She didn't want to. She would see what is going on around her, and she doesn't want any part of it. So I don't blame uh, people not going to medical school and the numbers that we think they need to go. And we have a population that's expanding, but the physician population is not keeping up mm-hmm. with the needs of the population right now. And they, there is a dearth of doctors right now, especially in the internal medicine family practice and the general services areas, and it's going to get a lot worse in the future. One of the things, and again, I'm an outsider uh, looking in, but it, it would appear that you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, the AMA had a lot of, um, uh, you know, bears a lot of the the fault for that in trying to restrict the number of doctors to keep salaries high. Am I am I correct on that? Or was the AMA exactly? Doing the AMA is only uh, number of people, physicians overall, about 25 percent of total physicians pay dues to the AMA right now, and it may be even less this year. That I know, even in the state societies, a lot of doctors don't belong to the state medical societies anymore because they work against us. They have a left-wing agenda, especially here in Maryland. They don't do what's right for the physicians uh, and the patients as a whole. And the patients, the most important thing, and uh, that's what it is. It's about control and keeping doctors at bay, uh, and they artificially keep the in, the uh, incomes down for physicians right now. Doctors have had cuts in medical assistance, Medicare, and now Obamacare, of course. So uh, something has to give somewhere. I don't know what uh, so far. In terms of finances, the doctors uh, may not be able to stay in practice much longer. And doctors are moving to groups to share costs. And, and the hospitals are now bundling fees. A bundle fee is that the government gives a certain fee to the hospital, and then the doctor gets a piece of that uh, before the doctor would be paid directly. So uh, everything's in flux right now, and that's thankfully to Obamacare, unfortunately. 
causing a lot of chaos. Now, yeah. it's easy to be a, a, a Monday morning quarterback and complain about what was done. Uh, what are some of the changes you would like to see in the healthcare field that would have solved some of the problems, like the, the, the access to care for those that were, you know, uh, were not able to get insurance and those kinds of things? Yes. What would have been better? Catastrophic insurance for people that the state wouldn't back would allow people with cancers and severe heart disease could not go to a regular insurance company become insured. That should be out there. People deserve to have something like that. That would be one way to go, too. I would be very, very careful about uh, putting so many burdens on the doctors that the Obamacare does and requirements for information and computerization and things like that. That is just hurting doctors overall, and the patient doctor relationship has suffered very much. Forcing insurance companies to uh, have things and policies that people just don't need raise the price of the insurance. The deductibles and co-payments have gone through the roof, and those could come down if the regulatory structure was reduced. But Obamacare has increased that regulatory structure because it needs so much money to fund itself. It, it's this behemoth, uh, and as bureaucracies go, they're just eternal. If the quality care is going down, number of doctors is, is uh, decreasing relative to our population, is uh, the best tip for our listeners to control their weight, eat, eat healthy, lots of yes. vegetables, berries and protein, and work out several hours per week? I would tell people if you really want to stay healthy if, and you can exercise, walk. Just walk. Do two, three times a week. Do a mile, two, half a mile. Do something. Stay active. Physical exercise works. We know it works. It increases longevity. Stop eating so much cholesterol and sugar. It's a killer. We can prove it. It's 2015. We know these things are uh, are just bad. We have so many people with diabetes now, 30 million people with diabetes. We have tens of millions of people with heart disease or pre-heart disease, almost 50 million people with hypertension. Watch your weight. Keep yourself try to healthy as you can. Take vitamins and minerals and antioxidants. They do work depending on which one you take, of course, and so forth. And don't believe the government says that they don't work. It's complete nonsense. Uh, people stay alive now longer and longer, especially people who are doing these basic things, watching their diet and exercise. That's all. If you want to spend lots of time in doctor's office, don't do these things. So okay. That's, that's what Fort I would tell them. Fortunately, I have been doing those things for years, yeah. and quite frankly, as I mentioned, the, the uh, carbohydrates, we, we've actually improved yeah. our, our uh, healthy yeah. eating as my wife reads more about yeah. uh, what needs to be done. So yeah. uh, we're definitely following that advice. Yeah, my wife also. She does yeah, no, I, I, you know, obviously, uh, you, you're in the profession. You have, uh, you know, less excuse than I do, but uh, we're, yeah. we're trying to do some of the right stuff. But now the courts, and we, we touched on it at this very beginning, courts are re-looking at some of the provisions of Obamacare yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I'm hearing about is the states that don't have their own platform or their own health care yeah. yeah. uh, access, if you yeah. will, their own system uh, yeah. could get uh, could stop getting subsidies, and Arizona is one of those states. Uh, could this lead to a populist revolt if tens of millions of people all of, a, all of a sudden have to pay full price for insurance, just as you or I do? Yes, it, it could happen like that, but I don't think it will. I think they'll ease it on us instead. Uh, the case before the Supreme Court specifically that uh, subsidization should only go to states who have who have exchanges, not to the federal, where multi-millions of people are on. And if they go, if the government goes or the court goes against 
uh, Obamacare in this case, which I think it should because it's clearly written in there. Uh, I think there'll be ways around which will feel the full impact right now. I mean, they're not going to just close the door on people that have insurance with the government. But luckily, luckily for us, the majority of people still have their own private insurance. So the impact won't be as big as people think it would be. Mm-hmm. Right, all of the people that were really counting on this would be the ones that would be impacted. Uh, yeah. you know, to some extent, I guess I look at one of the outs would be, for example, Arizona chose to specifically use the federal exchange uh, as the as as the state exchange. To some extent, it's a semantics thing. Yes, we don't we didn't set up our own three hundred sixty two million dollar site uh, or whatever it cost, uh, but uh, it, in essence, we're using our state exchanges officially the the federal exchange. So I would think that that would be one of those outs. So they could get away with. But here in Maryland, the exchange, the $200 million exchange, completely failed. They had to go back to the drawing board again. And I think they based their exchange on what Connecticut did, which was a, a less uh, costly uh, project as well. So a lot of the exchanges have failed. They got the money from the feds by and large on that. And I think Arizona was brilliant not going uh, to have a state exchange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, depending on the, the ruling here, that yeah. could uh, that could be interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, one of the things I want to make sure we do here before we, we close is to remind our listeners how they'd contact you, learn more about uh, your writing. Uh, and I wrote it down here earlier, so I have it, and of course I have more access. But let's go through the website that they can uh, get more information about some of the things you're covering. Uh, sure. Um, I'm uh, platomd at gmail.com, uh, www www.davidswritingservices.com. Uh, I write for a number of uh, platforms. One is the Examiner here. Uh, if you go to examiner.com, you'll see my name up there as well. We They publish, but I'm, I'm on at least 20 different sites in terms of writing and, and posting articles all the time. Uh, I do a lot of radio. I do an iHeart piece every Friday uh, on the James Lowe show for about 10 minutes. That's nationwide. Mm. I do other shows. So I used to do a about 10 or 15 a week, it got too much. But uh, this is what I really appreciate, being able to talk to people like on your show and letting them know that there are things that they need. they're not learning from the general media. On this type of program, you will learn a lot and get detailed facts, which people uh, can use in everyday life. And I'm not hearing it on Fox. I'm not hearing it on, on the, on the uh, left at all. So, uh, I, no, I one, one last thing. They're trying to build an iron wall against around Obamacare so it can't fall. That iron wall will never hold. That, that's how I look at it. And, and we're seeing it crumble bit by bit because of the finances and the regulatory structure, which I keep harping on. But that's basically what it is. Regulation, lack of access, uh, not enough doctors to, to give the freebies that the, the government's promising in Obamacare and so forth. Okay, before we close, uh, any any pearls of wisdom you want to either repeat, because you've had several on this show, or others you'd want to add on this whole area of Obamacare? I think we're going to see major changes in the next year or two on Obamacare because the cost structure is, is too much for the government to handle and other people to handle. I think that if, if it's not pulled down by a Republican come 2016, it'll be modified to an extent where it can be embedded uh, in the nation's legislative uh, uh, abilities. And in other words, we'll have a different program that's out there right now. I think the taxes will be reduced, not increased on it, and, and so forth. As for their own health, listen to what I said 
read as much as you can about diet because diet is directly correlated with longevity and good health, and, and people need to know that. Uh, amen to that one. Really appreciate your joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on talk about some of the positive changes that will come with that silver lining that you talked yes. about, yes. that uh, there will be changes. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being on, and I would listen to this show because you get a lot of information. And, and again, thank you. All right. Thank you, Dr. Davis. Thanks. Have a great day. Great. Well, I sure hope you realize that today's show with Dr. Mark Davis is directly related to wealth accumulation. If you have great health care, you don't need to accumulate as much wealth compared to someone who has to pay for higher quality care than generally available and may even have to travel to or move to other countries to get access. When you or your family members face those major health issues, you know that money is far less important than getting cured. So having access to good quality health care is a substitute for having the wealth to cover that expense. A friend of mine who was an American executive with a venture capital firm in Poland while I was there often joked that if he or his wife faced any health issue more uh, more severe than an ingrown toenail, he's on the next flight to London. Well, certainly that was an exaggeration. Uh, their underpaid doctors, nurses in that former uh, communist health care system didn't have access to the best training, equipment, and medicines at that time. Clearly, their health care system has improved dramatically, and now many Americans are traveling there and to other countries, which we, uh, in, in the countries we refer to as New Europe, for operations and major health care that can be scheduled, partially because of cost and partially because of good quality. Now, if you're not well-versed on all of the controversy related to Obamacare, I certainly rec- recommend getting a copy of the book, Obamacare, Dead on Arrival. If you have a weight loss or or maybe healthier eating on your list of New Year's resolutions, you should also consider getting a copy of Dr. Davis' book, Millennium Diet. And as I said, I I you know thoroughly can 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 say that I'm a good example of uh, following the advice he has in that book, and it's working for me. Uh, I never had a major weight problem, but if anything, it's uh, keeping the weight down even more than I would uh, plan on. So it really does work. Personally, I don't want to count on the government or their legislation to make me uh, or help me live a long and happy life. I'd rather minimize the cost of the new regulation, put up with it at a minimal cost, and take responsibility for my own health as I do for my own wealth. Remember our mission on the Wealth DNA Radio Show to share the fundamentals of investing and provide some great ideas for building your wealth and to help you and one million people become millionaires. Now, if you missed uh, part of today's show, link in the announcement will take you to the archive version. And of course, you can always find the full list of past shows on wealthdna.us. You can re-listen to the show as well. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, for helping us put together this show. Incidentally, they are actively searching for additional houses in the Phoenix area, often paying a premium. They uh, recently had some good examples of homeowners having been able to avoid foreclosure, even though they had financial hardships. The next Wealth DNA Radio Show will be the fourth Monday of March, and that is March 23rd, 9 a.m. Arizona time. Same place, same time, and of course, that's a new time for most of the U.S. and Canada. Our guest for that show will be Robert Johnson, the president of the American College. We'll be talking about how to use cues from the Fed and other central banks to improve your investment returns. I'm just starting to read a copy of his recent book about the Fed. He's done a lot of research, so I'd like you and our other listeners to benefit from his findings. 
We always have the lineup of guests and topics on WealthDNA.us, and there you'll find the archive of past shows. If you have comments or questions, you haven't received my emails reminding you about the show, send an email to me, ron at WealthDNA.us, or follow us on Facebook or Twitter, The Ronald, all one word. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and improving your health. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started.